0: So Lord, even as we step into week two of the series, Lord, I just thank you that you move way beyond high above any series or plans that we can have. I pray that you just break in, Lord. As we speak about connection, I pray, Lord, that everyone here would just feel your touch upon their lives. I pray that you would draw them into deeper connection and intimacy with you. That's our first goal. But Lord, give us Wisdom. I thank you that you've given us your spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, self discipline, self control, so that we can outwork that into relationship with others. The first prize, Lord, is to work out our salve- salvation with fear and trembling, the wonderful gift that it is. But, Lord, beyond that point, we outwork it into every relationship and area that you take us into. So, Lord, I pray that you mature us, grow us. Perfect us in love as your word says, and then send us out to be demonstrations of who you are and your goodness, your love, your grace to a world in need of your touch and feeling alone and isolated. I pray that in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, once again, just so grateful for the friendship, the connectedness, and the community we have with other churches in the city, with the Rock Church. Um, here in Umschlange with um, Olive Tree in Durban and Salt Rock and in Kloof, with um, Father's House in Port Elizabeth, with George Giorgio. I met him once. We're getting into the series late, and uh, I, I don't know him that well, but he took my, my cell phone number, and I felt very privileged uh, for him to do that, because who am I? He's a man who planted a church And in six years, it's gone from 30 to 4,500, and yet he just lives out with such humility. And he messaged me last week, Monday morning, first thing, and he said, George, how did week one go? And I said, I don't know, no one's encouraged me. No, I never said that. I said it went well because I'm going to live powerfully and not with powerless behavior. But uh, we'll explain that a bit more in a moment. But great to partner with other churches. And so we're trying to stay true to the outline of the series. And it's not a series we've usually done at, a, at Harvest. Um, we normally focus more on, let's say, the vertical connection, our connection with God, than with our connection with others. But I really believe we are in a season where relationship is paramount to what God is wanting to do in this community. There's something happening in the youth that have come together. There's something happening in the churches that are working together. There's something happening that right at this moment, there's 140 leaders of churches, of business, of ministries, of nonprofit organizations that have gone from Durban to a, to a conference in New York called Momentum Day And they've got the highest representation there. They've actually called it Durban Momentum Day. They put that focus in New York with this this conference taking place because they really feel something's going to happen in this city. And I want to say it's God in us working through us. It's that vertical relationship with the horizontal outworking. And so the key verse for the series is 1 John 4 verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome the world. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We sang about that a little bit earlier. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you. Greater are you with him in your life than anything you're going to face out there. You and God are always a majority to whatever circumstance you face. But we know that we also have this community. And so we're going to be looking at this verse and how it outworks into relationship And connectedness here today. In marriages, in friendships, in work, in teams, in all those areas, there are principles that we can take forward. And this verse continues to speak about, I mean, sorry, this chapter continues to speak about God being love. Then it speaks about you and I being perfected in love. And then it says that perfect love drives out fear. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time today looking at just the love we have in God that we're being matured and grown in love, and that we get to see God's perfect love driving out fear, firstly in our lives, but then in the relationships that we enter into. I don't know if you need that. I need that. In my wider family circles, I see fear wreaking havoc. And you'll see what that looks like. I can't really open up too much because my mom's sitting here. and no, I'm joking. It's not, that's not... Uh, it's, it's wider family, wider family. I could feel her eyes on me. Mom, bear with me. So last week we looked at what it means to be powerful. Now we're not looking at powerful from worldly terminology. You know, in the world's eyes, and this throws a lot of people, because they say, how can you be, talk about power? We're meant to be humble and loving and gracious. And yes, all those things. Because we, we're talking about kingdom power, not worldly power. Worldly power is where we use um, our charisma and our influence and our authority and our intimidation to control others around us. Maybe we use finance to control others around us and control, control situations around us. Maybe that could look a little bit like Donald Trump. Maybe it looks a lot more like Vladimir Putin. Maybe to us it seems a bit like the Guptas who are controlling things in and around them. But that's what worldly power is. Kingdom power is very different. Kingdom power is not about controlling others around us or situations around us. Kingdom power is about taking responsibility before God in our lives, for God through our lives. Let me read the definition that we looked at last week. Here it is. The definition of power in the kingdom. A powerful person is a person who takes responsibility. Now, please remember that responsibility is not in and of ourselves. As believers, we are connected to God. We live in response to his ability. We live in response to his ability. But let me read that again. A powerful person is a person who takes responsibility for their thoughts, their decisions, their emotions, their behavior regardless of how others are behaving. That means that when you behave terribly around me, that doesn't give me an excuse to change my behavior. And suddenly for me to become manipulating, controlling, intimidating, blaming, throwing out sharp remarks, sarcastic. No, because I'm taking responsibility for who I am before God. And I'm hoping that that is going to outwork and make visible God is to you. So that is living powerfully in the kingdom. It's taking responsibility for your thoughts, decisions, emotions, and behavior, regardless of how others are behaving around you. Very pertinent for us living in Durban, South Africa here today, because uh, how the the Springbok coach and Saru are behaving could affect you, how government are behaving could affect you, how the taxi driver is driving near you can affect you. You need to be powerful in taking responsibility for how you are behaving. And so we're looking at how we, not to get drawn into powerless behavior. Powerless behavior looks at, and I've mentioned it, it's blaming, it's manipulating, it's controlling, it's expressing and outbursting in anger, but we are called to be maturing in love. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never fails. Love always conquers. We are called to be maturing and growing in love. And then it says this, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. I behaved like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now, pay attention. Men, that's to you. Ladies never behave childishly. So don't look at them. They're not included in that. It's just us. No, it's everyone. We get to mature in love. And we see this outworked in God himself and what he's done for us. God made a powerful decision to pursue you and me while we were still caught in our sin. He demonstrated this by sending his son Jesus to the cross. And Jesus went to the cross willingly because he made a decision and he made a choice that he is going to pursue you no matter how you respond to him. He didn't go to the cross thinking, if you all respond, well, then I'll go through this excruciating, painful death, because then you have to respond to me. No, he said, I'm choosing you in love, and no matter how you behave, no matter what you're doing, no matter how you respond, I still choose you and take responsibility for my decision to pursue you, no matter what. How beautiful is that? That's what we looked at last week, and today we're looking at connectedness. We live in an interesting I'm done in age. I just want to put up three pictures that might speak into our age and connectedness. <laughs> this last one, he's looking at his phone and the lady's looking at him and she says, do you mind if I strap your phone to my forehead? So I can pretend you're looking at me when we talk. There's not enough laughter. That is real for many of us. Have any of your wives, men, ever said anything similar to that to you? Just put up a hand. Next week we are going to be speaking against lying. but we all have this felt need to be connected. There was a study done, a um, uh, 72-year study done at Harvard, and uh, the professor who did it came to this conclusion. He was trying to discover what is the key to happiness. And, and let me actually read it to you. I just tagged it on the end here. One moment, this is what he said. The, the, this is the answer they came to after the 72-year study by um, the director of it, was his name was George Valiant. And this was the response. The only thing that really matters in life are your relationships to other people. The key, after a 72-year study of the, the key ingredient to happiness, it's your connectedness and it's your relationship with other people, not any of the other things. And so we're going to be looking at what that looks like today. How many of you have been on a flight recently? If you've been on a flight, you would notice something. As that flight comes to an end, everyone stands. You know, they're jostling to be the first one to stand. And what are they doing? The first thing that's happening, even before the intercom says you're allowed to do it, is they've got their cell phones on and they're staring at their phone for that little dial that's at the top that says what? Searching for connection. That's, that's real for us and true for us as well. we searching for connection. When a baby is born, what is the first thing that it does? It cries. I mean, it, it opens up those lungs and it lets out a cry. Why? It's wanting to alert its parents that the torture process has begun. No. <laughs> that's not the reason. It's searching for connection. We made for connection. They've actually done studies and they've discovered that um, children that might be fed that, that receive care, but they do not receive love, neurologists will tell you, are mentally undeveloped in comparison to children who do receive love. And there's a responsibility here for us today. I'm so grateful for the moms, and and uh, there's some dads as well, and, and others who go out and spend time in the baby homes, just loving babies. That's a, a wonderful thing to do. It's been amazing to see Noah and Megan, and they put their video of their story with Noah and Megan, Jason and Megan, and their story with Noah, whom they adopted. They put it on Facebook, and you can go and watch it. But to see this little fella who was abandoned, and who was malnutritioned, and and skinny, and, and it, it just didn't look healthy. To be born into a loving household, and you look at him now, and he's definitely not skinny or malnutrition. He is, he is a robust little fella. And uh, um, their, their nickname, it's a terrible nickname. They call him Baby Beast, not because he behaves terribly, but because he's built like Tendai Matawira for the springboks. And just to see the change that's happened in this little man with a loving environment, it's beautiful to see. Mother Teresa said this, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty possible. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty possible. You can be sitting here today and have a crowd with you and you can be feeling terribly alone. I know people are are wanting to leave This nation, they're wanting to leave other nations because they might have been living there for years, but they feel terribly alone and disconnected, even with community around them. And there's a call for us to connect, and there's a call for us to build intimacy, and that's what we're going to be taking a look at as we go a little bit further. But I want to start off by looking at marriage. I want to look at marriage for a moment. And marriage is a great um, example of connection. We have some counselors and marriage counselors. I've done it before, and maybe you've been done counseling or been counseled. I know that many of us have been believers for many years. You get dragged into those situations. But the one problem that counselors, marriage counselors, often encounter is when they get this couple that comes before them and they say well well, just open up and tell me what's happening normally you've got the man and he's folded his arms he's folded his legs and his expression even looks folded because he's giving you that death glare and uh and and there's like growls coming and no response if you do get a response it's it was my wife's idea and that's about as much detail as you get The lady, on the other hand, she's got the clipboard open and she's flicking pages and she's mentioning the finances and the romance not being there and there's too much bromance, friendship with other men and traveling and hiking and fishing. And she says, you know, on that date, on the 23rd of July, 1985, this happened. And in 1990 and in 2001, on the 7th of May, and and the counselor is sitting there, ...like a deer in the headlights as all of this unfolds and explosions erupt. Have, have you ever seen that, done that, or just been in the vicinity of that? I told you what we'll preach on next week. <laughs> one's screaming, the other one's crying. The, the first bit of counseling advice I got from Charles Patterson, he's not here today. He said, no matter how shocked... You are. Don't show any emotion in counselling. I can't say, did you really do that? I cannot believe, I've got to act as if nothing surprises me. Now you know my secret. If I look a little bit blank, it's a, it's a learned trait. No, no I'm, I'm kidding. We, no, let's not go there. Anyway, I don't do that much counselling, but we've got great counsellors and a counselling department. But what happens in, in this situation, why this happens, and what counselors see is that often people try to get reconnected through solving problems. You're never gonna get reconnected through solving problems, it just doesn't work. If you want to solve problems, you've got to establish that connection. And once that is Jason, will you come up, once that connection is established. Then the problems can start to get solved, because there's a the strength of connection that takes place. Now, my wife is uh, coming to the second, because we have kids, she has to get ready, and, um, and I'm not going to go into marriage counseling, so let's just leave it at that. But she'll be here in the second service, but Jason is going to act as, as Leanne here today. <laughs> he doesn't mainly pull it off, but thank you for volunteering. Now, what happens in relationship is when we've got a, a, a very tenuous connection, when it's not a strong connection, then there isn't much understanding that can happen. And then in a moment, I might say, you know, I feel like I want, t- I want to go and watch a movie. Let's do that. And we're both excited about it. And I want to say, let's go and watch an action movie. But Jason wants to go and watch, or should say Leanne, a romantic <laughs> drama. So I'm saying, let's go. Give me a little bit of give here. Oh. I'm wanting to go and watch an action. Now you pull. You wanting to go and watch a drama. I'm wanting to go for a walk on the beach and you wanting to go shopping at Gateway. I'm wanting to go to Wimpy with the kids and just have a meal and get out of there. That's my pull. You wanting to go to Volvatello. Pull back. And, and there's, there's pressure and there's snap and there's, there's bad things that happen because the connection isn't strong. But here is one of my prized possessions, when the connection is strong, this is my Nile crocodile horned cognac leather belt. Don't pull too hard. When the connection <laughs> is strong, then we can have those discussions. I want to go to Wimpy, and he wants, no, she wants to go to Volvatello, and I want to watch the action, and there's this give and take, the relationship's strong. So we can even go beyond that, and we can start speaking about finance. And we can start speaking about goals. And we can start speaking about dreams. Thank you, Jason. And we can start speaking about physical intimacy. And we can start speaking about how you behaved and how I felt. And we can have these conversations that are otherwise no go areas if we don't have connection established. That's why connection is so important. Specifically, we're talking about in this situation in marriage, but it goes way beyond marriage. But there's something else that happens. You see, when you don't have that connection, if you're not looking, if you're not actively pursuing connection, we're going to look at what this means with God in a moment. But if we're not actively pursuing connection, the result is that we create safe distance. You know what safe distance is? Safe distance is when you come across a spitting cobra. What do they call cobras here in Zulu? There's a name, Amfezi. Is that the cobra? I don't know. Anyway, let's just say a spitting cobra. If you come across a spitting cobra, you're going to create safe distance. You're going to make sure you've got those those goggles on so that if it spits, if it strikes, if it uh, comes at you, you are protected. You're going to have one of those those prods that you can... Hold it at a distance so it's not going to get near you. And sometimes this is how we behave in marriage as well. No, ladies, I'm not saying that you are the spitting cobras. Sometimes it's the men as well. But this is how we behave. We create the safe distance. We, we want to create that place where I'm not going to get hurt because there could be this explosion that takes place. And so I'm not going to get hurt because I don't want to see the anger or the intimidation or the withdrawing or the sulking or whatever else. And so we create safe distance. But we aren't created for that. We are created for connection. And firstly, it's that vertical connection. It's to be connected with God. If you've got your Bibles, please open to John 17. John seventeen eighteen to 21. Firstly, it's a connection with God. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I, this is Jesus speaking concerning the Father. Just as you have sent me into the world, this is just before he's going to the cross to get crucified. And he's praying a prayer. And it's not based upon himself. It's based upon the Father and others. Relationships. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. What an inclusive prayer includes all of us here today, whether you've believed yet or not. And I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. It's this beautiful picture of, of Jesus' connected with the connectedness with the Father that draws us into this relationship by the working of His Spirit. And how we live that out amongst others, they get to see the love and the connectedness we have, and it draws them into that place as well. What is that looking like, and what is the example and what is being displayed in your life at the moment and in mine. That's the challenge. Because this is how God created us to live. Connected, firstly with Him. You know, when you're in that place, you, you live and you thrive. I gave my life to the Lord at the age of three, so I don't remember much before that, but many of you here remember that moment when you first came into relationship with Him, when you first felt that, that vertical connection, when you first felt that need in you that was met by the love in Him. And I know that many people describe that what, what felt old became new, and where you felt dead, you suddenly felt alive, and colors took on a new color, and everything seemed to change. There was resurrection life at work, at you, uh, at work in you and through you because you felt connected and you were expressing it. It was it was visible to see. There was something tangible about that connectedness that was visible to people around you. And we see the beauty of that, that God invites us to that place to be truly connected. John eight verse twenty eight, we see it with Jesus as he models connection. He says, I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. John five nineteen. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself he does only what he sees his father doing whatever the father does the son also does he's showing that that he was utterly dependent on his father for life that's what jesus is modeling here and you and i get to to experience this deep connection with god we get to to have this connection to the source of life available to us. And that's where we draw our identity. That's where we draw um, our affection. That's where we find our approval. Just like Jesus, when the Father said over him, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. In relationship with the Father, we get identity, we get our affection, we get approval. We get the deepest needs of our hearts met in that relationship. And it's so important because when you have that connection with the Father and when you have that healthy relationship with the Father, your relationship with others can be healthy. Cell phones ringing. And when your relationship with others are healthy. You don't start to impose things that come from your vertical relationship on them. You don't need to break relationship with people because they're not meeting your needs or you're not feeling satisfied or they're not behaving the way that you think they should, or you're not getting from them what you need in your neediness. And please, I'm not saying we don't have neediness. I'm just saying we need to have our deepest needs met by our Heavenly Father, because when that's healthy, then we can have healthy relationships. We can connect, we can love, we can have intimacy, and we can choose to pursue, not based on what we're going to get from them or do or don't get from them, but based on choice because we can make powerful decisions because we're not in fear of that relationship, but we've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, and we get to model what connectedness to the Father and others looks like. And so that's what happens when the vertical connection is right. But God also um, highlights to us as we look in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 6 that it's not just about having vertical relationship. We know that is key and that is paramount, but there's more than just the vertical. There's the horizontal. There's the side-to-side connection. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 6. This is speaking of um, Paul as he's been uh, on these journeys and he's writing to the Corinthians. And, he's, and he says this, just the simple line. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the arrival of Titus. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the arrival of Titus. Notice what he's not saying. He's not saying that the downcast or depressed person found their comfort, uh, comfort by the arrival of the Holy Spirit. We know we do, and the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the one who walks alongside. He's the one that counsels. He's the one that ministers to us. But in this instance, he's saying, Paul is saying, I found my comfort in Titus, in the person that God sent to me. You know, there's that that need for connectedness. I don't know if you've seen that cartoon where um, the person is is crying out for God to save them and they're in the sea and they're wanting to be saved, and someone comes with a helicopter and says, Let me rescue you, and they said, No. He says, no, God's going to rescue me. And someone stands on the edge of the shore and throws a a life jacket. And he says, no, God's going to rescue me. And eventually he drowns and he goes to heaven. And he says, God, why didn't you rescue me? And he says, I tried. I sent the helicopter. I sent the life jacket. Sometimes God uses connectedness. Often it's through himself, but often it's also through his body and his people. And you and I get to be the touch of Jesus. And his fingerprints on people's lives. So Paul is saying um, we need each other, and he uses this word comforted. You know, in, in, in days gone by, one of the meanings of that word comforted, it meant a pillow for a long journey. In olden days, when you, in, olden days in days gone by, when you were, um, only had horses and they weren't the motor vehicles, you would need, even with the early vehicles, you would need a pillow for a long journey. Some of us have the most comfortable cars around. We still need pillows for a long journey. You don't have to put up your hands. I won't expose those liars, who are liars. But a pillow for a long journey. And so you, this is what the word comfort meant. But how many of you notice that not every person around you brings the same level of comfort? Some people are not so much bringing that pillow sort of comfort. Some other people are bringing what feels more like a spark. And that's where we get the term a pain in the, well, let's just say a pain, <laughs> if you can follow my drift. And so there are different levels of intimacy. we we call to connect, but it looks different, different levels. Jesus modeled this so beautifully. I, I guarantee that if you were to encounter Jesus, you would have felt that connected to him. You would have felt that connection. Whether you chose to be afraid because of that and withdraw and create safe distance because you're scared what that would exposing yourself, well, maybe that would be true. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, Pontius Pilate, anyone would tell you that there was a connection. There was something about this man. You would have felt loved. Whether you embraced it or felt terrified by it, you would have felt loved by Jesus. Jesus knew how to connect. Jesus knew how to shower and show and reveal love to people. Jesus knew how to receive love so that even when the prostitute came to him while he was in the Pharisee's home reclining at the table, and she started to wash his feet with her tears and dry his feet with her hair and pour perfume over his feet. He was able to receive love. And this infuriated the Pharisee that was there. How can you allow this? And he said, when I came in, you never allowed me to wash my feet. You never greeted me with kisses. But she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since the moment she came in. Jesus could recognize love. He knew how to give love. He knew how to receive love. He was able to receive love from John, who described himself as the disciple Jesus loved, and John would rest against his chest at the Last Supper. There was a connectedness there. Jesus made himself known. He cried when he heard that Lazarus had passed away. He opened himself up emotionally. He said to his disciples, He said when he was going to the cross, I'm crushed even to the point of grief. He connected. There were different levels of intimacy that he opened up with. But I want to say in his connection, there were these different levels of intimacy. There was the 5,000. He connected with them. Actually, he brought the pieces of bread and the fish that would feed them. And yet they never really got to interact with him that much, but they got to connect with him. There wasn't that intimacy because they knew him in terms of his preaching. But then there were the 120. And these people traveled with him at a distance. They got to interact with him. There was connection and another level of intimacy. But then we got to the 12, and they the ones that took a journey with Jesus. They were hardly ever without him. They, they had a greater level of intimacy. But then there were the three who had the deepest level of intimacy with him here on earth. And they were the ones that were with him almost at all times. And they were the ones that he took up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They got to see him for who he truly was. They got to see and hear things that others never have. They were all connected, but different levels of intimacy. And then the greatest level of intimacy we see is when there were even those moments that he withdrew to be just with the Father. Connectedness. We need to pursue connection, but there are different levels of intimacy, and we need to recognize this. And intimacy is very different to connection. Intimacy means this. It's how much of your resources you share with others. How much of your time are you giving them? How much of your emotional energy are you giving them? How much of your physical energy are you giving into that relationship? How much are you opening yourself up that they might get to see who you are? That's really a definition of intimacy. And as I say, there are different levels. You know? um, maybe in the work situation, you cannot have the same level of intimacy with your, your colleague as you do with your spouse. If I had the same level of intimacy with Jason that I do with Leanne, I would feel uncomfortable and so would he. I'm very, very sure of that. You cannot have that same level of intimacy. You want to connect with them both. I want to have a connection. I want to have a degree of intimacy in my relationship with Jason and with Togo, and with the staff that I have here. There's intimacy that I that I have with us as a community. There's intimacy that I have with close family members. There's deep intimacy that I have with Leanne. And there's the deepest and most profound intimacy that I have with the Father, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. And that outworks and infuses every other relationship That I have. But we have to choose connection. If I had the, I mean, intimacy, because if I had the same level of intimacy with everyone, giving the same amount of time and energy and opening myself, I would explode or implode. It would be an ugly sight to see. But here's the encouragement: is this, there's no limit now to Jesus' intimacy with you. He says he comes to make his home in you. He comes to dwell in you. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He says, I am your comforter. I am your counselor. I am your, the one who sticks closer than a brother. You are invited to the deepest place of connection and intimacy with Jesus. And so we, we were looking at last week that in choosing connection, we can either have powerful behavior or we can have powerless behavior. Powerless behavior in connection is when I blame, when I rant, when I withdraw, when I gossip, when I manipulate. All of these things break connection. But powerful behavior will build connection. Powerless behavior. It's when you're, you're, you might have experienced this moment. How are you going to respond? Powerless behavior or powerful behavior? When your boss is shouting at you. When the other driver in the intersection is waving at you with all sorts of weird hand gestures, how do you respond and how do you wave back? When your wife is giving you or your husband is giving you the silent or intimidating treatment, how do you respond? Because powerful people will take responsibility for their decisions, emotions, actions, and behaviour, despite what's happening around them. Powerless, I'm going to react to what you're doing, and I'm going to get in the first punch and the first swing, and I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. So that at the end of day, at the end of the day, my mind has no peace. That's powerless behaviour. You might know it. I've done it all. And in relationships, we do one of two things. If I can put that up. Just as we come to close, we either protect ourselves to create safe distance from the people around us, or we love one another to build connection. How are you doing in that? Have you found yourself in the place before when <clears throat> maybe someone's crossing the road, or maybe you're at the gym, or maybe you're at the shop, and you see them, and you just want to hide, and, oh, I'm hoping they don't see me. I don't want to connect. I want to keep the safe distance. Have you done that before? Next week, a sermon is set. We're changing the series. <laughs> Maybe it's um, from your boss. You, 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 you feel you know, you've got a hard parts of who you are, and you've got to keep distance because, because of what could happen. Maybe it's when your wife is SMSing you, and you're saying, where are you? And she's saying, where are you? And she says that a number of times, and you choose not to respond because you know you'll, you'll be yelled at. That one is a very personal one, and I'm being vulnerable and transparent when I tell you. Maybe it's when you get the, the, the three-page WhatsApp message from someone who's just grilling you. I got a message from a young person in this congregation last, this week. Actually, it was yesterday. And they said, my, my stepmom is asking me this question. It was a personal question. She said, do I have to respond? And I said, no, you've been in the series. You, you, she could have come out swinging. But she didn't. And, and so she said, do I have to respond to it? I said, no, you've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You take responsibility for how you decide to go forward, not based on how that person's acting, but based on your relationship with the Lord and how you feel to respond. Take responsibility and act in power, act in love, act with self-control, and a sound mind in that situation. And here are three options that you could do. And she did. And it was wonderful. But we get to take responsibility for how we respond in those situations because we can either um, throw the emotional hand grenade that creates the distance, this explosion where we're withdrawing and not engaging and blaming and anger and sarcasm because we don't want them to get too close so we cut with words. Some of us do that. But we made for connection. We hate feeling rejected. We hate feeling left out. We hate feeling um, that we didn't make the invite list. We hate feeling that we're not that other person's confidant. And that can cause us, if we're not rooted in our identity, to behave in terrible ways that break the relationship even further. But when you know you get your identity and your affection and your approval from God, then that behavior doesn't determine or stop you from responding powerfully in power, love, and a sound mind. How are you responding in those situations? Because here's a vital thing, and I'm ending with this, just three points I want us to see. every time you choose safe distance you're choosing fear you're choosing fear over love and please i'm not saying that there are relationships that in wisdom and in god's leading that you realize that you need to stay connected but you realize that the intimacy level is not as it can't be that close i'm not talking about that I'm not talking about a church discipline and where, where there are those, as Paul says, that need to be put out the body because they're danger to the whole. I'm talking about just connections, relationships around us. And, and so when we create safe distance because we're afraid of, of the hurt that we can get, that is often based out of fear. And let me tell you just three problems with fear. Fear, number one, makes you irrational. Fear makes you irrational. They say that fight flight, or freeze response is a a psychological, physiological reaction that takes place, and and we respond in that way. I'm going to either freeze, I'm going to take flight, or I'm going to fight. And they say you stop being able to rationalize thought because it's the reptilian, this is the word for it, reptilian brain function that kicks in. And how many of you have ever tried to have a relationship with a crocodile? I know some of us might have had that experience around here. You cannot do relationship with a crocodile. You cannot do relationship with people living in fear because you're going to land up wanting to protect yourself if you're in that place of fear, and they're going to want to do the same, and connection is going to be broken. So fear makes you behave irrationally. And Jesus never says, well, you know, they hurt you so you don't have to speak to them again. They hurt you so you don't need to connect. They hurt you so you don't need to love. They hurt you so you can put on your Cobra gear and hold them at a distance. No, he says, love one another, love your enemies, and bless those who persecute, persecute you. The second thing I want us to see is fear is spiritual. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I want to say this, that when you partner with fear, you're not partnering with an idea, you're partnering with a spirit, and the source of that spirit is Satan himself, and he comes to rob, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. That's his CV and his resume. That's what he comes to do. And when you're partnering with fear, you are inviting all of that. Fear does, fear brings about the results, even as faith brings about the results, they're just based in different people. One's in God and one's in Satan. And fear does this. When you find withdrawing and using that sarcasm, as I mentioned, when anger is exploding, that you are making a spiritual decision when you are partnering with those things. You are partnering with the spirit of fear. But here is the encouragement for us today in our, connect- in, in our connections. Perfect love drives out fear, and you haven't been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but you've been given a spirit of power and love and a sound mind, and as you start to wake up and take responsibility for who you are, your relationship with God, and how you carry yourself and interacting with others, you're going to start to find as you cultivate that, as you allow for yourself to partner with the Holy Spirit and is bringing power, love, and a sound mind, self-discipline to outwork in your life, you're going to see courage coming back into you. You're going to see you're going to start believing in people again. You're going to see you're going to start wanting to love the unlovable, connect with those that are called hard. You're going to see you are going to be someone who breaks distance. You're going to break the safe distance. You're going to be able to, I'm not going to use that picture. Why did that picture come? It's a terrible ungodly picture. It's not really. i got the picture of the dance with the cobra. We don't want to dance with cobras. That's right, we don't. Let me go further. We're going to find that we're able to partner with God who gives life. Watch too much to leaden in my youth. I need to mature and put off childish ways. Um, we need to partner with the one who gives life. And imagine what that can look like in our community. Imagine what that can look like in your marriage. Imagine what that can look like in your friendships. Imagine what that can look like in this church as we start to partner with the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that um, we can just come to your word and we can just look just at the relationship we have with you, but also with others. I thank you, Lord, for connectedness, that you made a way that we could be in relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for the intimacy you give us, that you are in us and we are in you that we live and we move and we have our being in you, that you never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you, Lord, that you are the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I thank you for the, the, the ability to open ourselves up, that you might see us for who we are and have, that we might have every need met in you. But I also thank you, for Lord, for those that you've placed around us. Lord, I thank you for this body. I pray that this house would be a place where people can know connection, where people can know ever-growing er- areas and degrees of intimacy. I pray that this will be a place where people won't feel isolated and alone. Lord, I pray that this will be a place where where those safe distances will be broken down and there won't be the need for protection and blaming and sarcasm and hurt and judging and controlling and manipulating and all those various things that come from insecurity. But Lord, I pray that we would mature in love and that love would not fail, that it would conquer all in this place and that we would be able to have those healthy relationships because we are in relationship with you. And Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who is feeling alone. I want to take just a moment. Here's my end point. If you are feeling alone, maybe you're feeling disconnected from God. No one's looking every eye closed. I want to ask you just to raise your hand. Maybe you felt isolated. I want to pray for you in terms of that. Firstly, that you would know that reconnection with the Lord. Maybe you felt he's distant. Maybe you've never believed. If you're here and you're battling in your connection with God, I want you just to raise your hand quickly. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. And then I want to ask if there are people here, every eye is closed, that are, are struggling in connection. They are feeling alone and they are feeling isolated like no one is around them. And, and they might be, you might be sitting in the group here today, but you feel totally disconnected. If you can raise your hand, I want to pray with you as well. Thank you. Lord, I just bring those two groups of people here. And Lord, even as we've spoken about that, just to speak about it without praying into it, Lord, it doesn't have power. I pray, Lord, that you would break every dividing wall I pray, Lord, that you would remove every hindrance. I pray, Lord, that even as you pursued us in love, that those individuals would feel pursued by you as you have chosen to love them ongoingly. I pray, Lord, that in this week ahead, even as they choose to to connect with you and have intimacy with you, I pray that you draw them into just fresh outworkings of intimacy and relationship. And Lord, for those that feel alone and isolated, Lord, I pray that you connect them to community. But Lord, I pray that you give us the courage as a community to break out of cliques, to get get out of the place of so being caught up with ourselves and our own agenda and our own plans and our own little um, thought patterns that we would see those that you placed around us, that we would be able to release your love to them. I pray, Lord, that you make us a family, not just the community. I pray that you build connection and intimacy and that we'd become known for that in this city, even as we have been in years past. I pray that that you would do that by the power of your spirit, outworking love in our hearts as we exercise self-control and sound minds and have clarity of thought in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.